You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy hump day, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I tell you what, I am starting to get jacked i'm starting to feel the itch i'm starting to uh like my mind wanders easier these days uh towards the timber when i'm you know at home or you know when i'm doing something that i probably shouldn't be thinking about deer and hunting um not necessarily just deer hunting but all types of hunting uh these days my mind is starting to wander and there's really only one cure for that and that's some tree stand time uh but that's still Oh, three or four months away for me. Uh, like you guys know, I mentioned this in the last podcast. I checked some cameras. Uh, some of the some of the bigger, more mature bucks are starting to move into the area. Hopefully, they stick around. Uh, historically, you know, like for example, right now I probably have five four-year-old or older bucks uh, off of the trail cameras that I have. Uh, check so far and typically two two stick around the whole year and then the uh, the property is really a transition property in my opinion so uh, different bucks come and go but uh, really only two call at home and uh, then the rest just kind of wander in and out as uh, you know does come in and out of estrus but uh Nonetheless, I got uh, five stands hung already, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to go in anymore. Uh, September for me is a layoff month, and I better be sure that I got everything switched and done the last week in August because once September hits, I do not go into those properties until the hunting starts, and uh, that's just to basically limit pressure let the deer adjust in september for me there's typically some kind of shift in mid-september when the velvet comes off and the food sources kind of change a little bit Uh, this this is what i've noticed over the years Uh, and then after that after that switch i feel that if i'm in there pressuring them during that switch i i can cause more harm uh, than good so I just lay off September altogether and then this year as you all know kid coming uh, I will definitely be uh, hunting November but uh, there's a question mark in October right now I'll have a, a one month old baby so we will see how that goes and how many brownie points I have uh, worked out with my wife how patient she is but I have a feeling that with uh, uh, an infant and two maniacs living with uh there's going to be limited time this month or this year, but that's come that's uh, comes to be accepted this uh, this late in the game. Now, 
Today's podcast, we have another kick-ass podcast. I know you're going to like it. We're going to be talking with Bill Hoffman of the Bow Hunters Union. And uh, Bill describes the Bow Hunters Union to me as the NRA for bow hunters. And uh, I'm going to let him get into that uh, uh, conversation here in a little bit. But before we jump into the podcast, I don't know how many of you guys put in any thought to a Western hunt. Uh, I know that in the near future, I'm going to be doing some uh, hunting out west, and uh, you know, there's there's millions of acres of of public ground, but there's also options as far as outfitters are concerned. Um, I know a lot of guys use outfitters because time is limited, especially for a, a western hunt where you're going to be hunting a different breed of animal and. You don't have the time to go out there and do any scouting. Um, it's something maybe on a, a bucket list of yours. And uh, outfitting is definitely an option, and it gives you an opportunity to show up um, and basically just hunt. The scouting is already done. Uh, a lot of the prep work is already done. You just have to be willing to put in the uh, the physical hours uh, doing the spot and stalks or the sits and uh you know, having someone else help you accomplish that goal. And uh, I just so happened to become friends with Dustin DeCrew of Bighorn Outfitters out, based out of Buffalo, Wyoming. And uh, I knew him before this agreement was, uh, we, we worked out a partnership here. But I owe my stepdad a lot as far as him helping me out, uh, gutting deer, dragging deer, um, you know, he helps me out a whole lot and helps the family out. So I figured I'd call up Dustin. I'm like, hey, Dustin, man, uh, are you willing to trade some advertise an advertising slot for a, um, you know, for a, an a antelope rifle hunt? Because that's something my stepdad has never done. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And uh, so here we are. My stepdad, we gave him a, his. Uh, we bought him his preference point this year already, and uh, the the trip isn't until 2018. But uh, he's freaking excited for it. He's already starting to plan it. He's already starting to buy his uh, save up, buy his gear. He's gonna need to uh, probably lose a little weight. Don't tell him I said that, but <laughs> get into a little bit better shape. And uh, he is he's pretty excited now. Bighorn Outfitters, like I said, based out of Buffalo, Wyoming, they offer a variety of different hunts. I mean, on their website, it says elk, moose, mule deer, whitetail deer, pronghorn, turkey, prairie dogs, and then they do fishing trips as well. So if you guys, and, and I've talked to um, not only Dustin, the owner, uh, and he's talked, he's actually been on the podcast and talked about his outfit and how he runs it and it just sounds like i know he's a really good guy sounds like a really good uh company so if you guys are ever interested in maybe trying to cross an uh, an animal off of your bucket list like uh, an elk a mule deer or uh, even whitetail a western whitetail or pronghorn be sure to contact dustin DeCrew of bighorn outfitters his telephone number is 307 620 or you can email him at Dustin D U S 
T-I-N, at BighornOutfitters.com. Tell them Nine Fingers sent you. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, something that uh, my stepdad is very jacked about. And uh, if it's uh, something that you would be interested in, hit, hit, hit up Dustin. So, Enough of the jaw jacking, enough of the commercials. Let's get into today's podcast with Bill Hoffman of the Bow Hunters Union. All right, on the phone with, with me now is Bill Hoffman. How are you doing today, Bill? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here in southwest Michigan. Southwest Michigan. Uh, I tell you what, the last oh, handful of days here in Iowa, and I just got back from New Orleans, uh, for the QDMA convention, but uh, it has been hot, hot, hot. And uh, actually, the main farm that I uh, hunt, the crops are looking really bad. The corn leaves are uh, rolling up on themselves, and uh, um, the beans look a little stunted, like they haven't got uh, the water that they've needed. What are the conditions like in uh, southwest Michigan? Oh, I'll tell you what, it's been unreal because it seems like every weather pattern has come down just missing Iowa and Wisconsin come out of Minnesota, out of northern Canada, and just, you know, no matter what the system is, it picks up rain over the Great Lakes, and yeah. we are wet. Uh, we had fish swimming down the sidewalk two weeks ago. <laughs> um, you know, in the area of the, you know, the thumb of Michigan, uh, the historically, the everyone talks about the flood of 86. Well, we're like seven inches away from that of uh, annual precipitation so uh michigan's wet and uh farmers are happy because in between the periods of wet it has dried out so i don't think anyone's lost too much uh row crop and whatnot but i know food plot guys have had to replant right right so you're from southwest michigan uh what do you do for a living i'm in law enforcement i've been uh, an officer now for oh geez I think I'm coming up on 11 years. So uh, I do that. And then um, my other job, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is I'm the chief steward for the Bowhunters Union. Nice. Yeah. And that's uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today uh, is the Bowhunters Union. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, as a law enforcement officer, you, my buddy John Mulligan is a, uh, it was a police officer and uh, he's, told me some crazy stories do you have any crazy stories that you could share with us today as uh, as a police officer <laughs> you know a lot of the craziness in that has happened for me just turns out to be uh good stories you know a, a lot of people go through a career as a leo and they have crazy stories that are bad and uh with my personality i'm always laughing i'm always smiling i, I tend to uh remember you know some of the the better things that i've had but uh you know unfortunately i've been involved in everything from you know criminal sexual conduct all the way up to uh you know drug and kid related stuff and I, I can tell you this no matter how crazy the call that i've been on uh i've always left the world a better place than when i arrived there so uh, i've got that to hang on my shoulder you know Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my buddy, John was a, he was in the drug task force. Uh, so he did some undercover work and, uh, um, man, I tell you what, police officers don't get the respect that they need most definitely. Yeah. You know, in quite honestly, 
I, I can honestly say that the world's not as bad as we not we'd like to think about it, that a lot of people think about it. There's a lot of good out there in this world. There's a lot of good teenagers. There's a there's a lot of good people that are hardworking, that are law abiding. And I tell you what, you know, it just holds so true in life, man. It's just a few bad apples that kind of ruin it for everybody else. But uh, there's a lot there's a lot of good in this world, and I, I'm lucky to be around a lot of those type of people. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Southwest Michigan, uh, how was your how was your 2016 hunting season? Well, I decided to you know, use a recurve, so it wasn't very good. Was <laughs> <laughs> no, this so your I've, first year? You know, I've always, uh, no, I've always, I you know, I'm shooting compound again this year, and I've had this love hate relationship with the with the string bow, my man. You know, I love shoot. We shoot a lot of bow fish. We shoot a lot of fish with our recurves and you know i practiced all summer with it shooting all the 3d tournaments and ibo and asa and all that with the recurve and shot my archery league with it and and uh you know what it really comes down to is my effective range with the recurve is right there at 17 18 yards and everything that had horns on it this year was at 25 (laughs) and it's just you know one of those years now that truth be told anybody who i guess i should also mention i write books i'm an author (laughs) but anybody that's read my book uh loose fletching that just came out last year uh i tell the story i missed a 145 inch buck 145 inch eight point so imagine how big he is 145 inch eight point i missed him at 14 yards i shot right over his back when i pulled that string back i got my anchor point and I was just waiting for him to turn perfectly broadside, which he did. But in the time it took him for him to turn broadside, uh, I already had him gutted. I was thinking about caping him out. I was wondering what <laughs> taxidermist I was going to use. Had everything planned out, released the arrow, and it sailed over his back. Now, right. two days later, Michigan's gun season opens, and he got smacked by the neighbor. And uh, you know what? That's how I know how big he is. And uh, good for the neighbor. Uh, uh, no animosity. He deserves him just as much, if not more, because he made a good shot. But uh, right. that was that was kind of my deer season. I, uh, you know, we had some freezer does here and there, but that was that was the one I was after. Now, uh, luckily, he got through the breeding time, so uh, hopefully, I'll be chasing his grandson here this year. Absolutely. There's always next season, right? Yeah, there, there's always more deer, you know, and, and again, it kind of goes with the not not dwelling on the bad, you know. I learned a lot from that miss, um, and, and let's look at the good in this situation. I didn't wound him. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, gut, he didn't die in a pond somewhere, you know. I didn't gut shot him. It, everything besides actually killing him that could have been good happened. So, right. you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I know the neighbor, the neighbor guy got him. So it is what it is. Right. So let's see, how much vacation as a police officer do you get a year to use? Five weeks. Five weeks. Okay. I get, uh, I've been with a company for uh, seven, going on seven, eight years now. And uh, I get five weeks now as well. Uh, My next bump is at 10 years, but, um, you know, I'm lucky, you know, I get way more vacation to use on hunting than most guys. Do you take any outs, you know, outside of Michigan trips to go hunt, like uh, Ohio or any other neighboring states? 
Yeah, absolutely. And especially with my schedule right now, man, it's uh, I work Tuesday through Friday. So I have every Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and nice. all Tuesday off. You know, Ohio is, a ha- is 45 minutes away. So um, I, I generally both turkey and deer hunt in Ohio. I got a buddy that's a sheriff's deputy down in, oh, I'm not going to say where, uh, near yeah. Cincinnati. <laughs> nice. And, uh, you know, we uh, continually have 160 to 190 class bucks on our property down there. So that, that makes it a no-brainer. I'll be down there again um, November 1st through the 10th this year. Nice. So, you know, with me working those four tens, you know, I get my three-day weekend, plus I get the four days of vacation, plus another three-day weekend. So four days vacation gives me 10 days away from work. So uh, I'm pretty blessed, and I, I and I know I'm blessed. Just I know you feel the same way with your five weeks. So right. um, I'll be doing that. Right. And um, and then Pennsylvania, I got a um, place in Pennsylvania that I've been going. Best man in my wedding, buddy, since uh, just outside of high school. His family has their uh, basically their compound location there where they all meet up is there in the mountains of Western Pennsylvania. So, um, it's six hours to both spots from where I live. So, nice. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, just in different directions. So, uh, right. within six, within six hours, I'm buying, um, in both States are, uh, over the tag or oh, I'm sorry, over the counter tags. Uh, and both are generally pretty friendly and affordable as far as hunting goes, especially when you start thinking about, uh, you know, slap, slapping a turkey tag on there or something. Once you've already bought the hunting tag or the hunting license, you know, the kill tag is just another 25 bucks. So both of them are really friendly states. And uh, that's it, man. I, I I need to get out to Wyoming. I got a, my one of my other real close friends from high school lives in Wyoming, and he's always on my butt. I just haven't done it yet. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the The last guy or the last podcast that we just put out uh, – was about a guy who moved from Western New York to Cincinnati and, uh, he shot a booner this past year, uh, on some public ground there. So that was, uh, that's a pretty good state sounds like to travel to. Yeah. You know what, Ohio, you know, other than their football team, I really like hunting down there. (laughs) 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 uh, Yeah. yeah. I can tell you that much right now, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, you know, again, it's one, one buck rule. They got big deer down there. And, and when you talk about Southern Ohio, people think of, you know, I think Ohio, a lot of times people, when it comes to deer hunting, I, I used to think of it the same way as I think of your state, you know, uh, cornfield, <laughs> you know, right. but when you get down there, you're, you're talking, you're right on the edge of Appalachia, man. You, you are hills and mountains and it is a rough hunt. And that's right where we are at but that also is where a lot of other people won't go. So that is why we're pulling the booners out of there. And uh, I I can't believe I forgot to tell you, I'm going to Daytona in September and uh, I'm 10 year anniversary trip with the wife. And uh, just yesterday I booked my hog hunt down there. So I'm gonna go down there and kill a pig. She doesn't even know yet. (laughs) uh, About the hunt hunt or about the, about the hunt or the honeymoon. No, she knows we're going on a second honeymoon. <laughs> she doesn't know that we're going hog hunting. And uh, the the funny thing about about it is I looked at gators, too, and I was like, well, if she gets mad about the hog, I'll just tell her, hey, it's a lot cheaper than the gators. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, buddy. You're playing with fire if you're going on a, a anniversary vacation and then, get, then going hunting. 
to know me is to love me, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, in uh, every generally when we go somewhere on a family trip, we we try to go deep sea fishing. I'm married to country girl, so you know we right. try to go you know deep sea fishing or like this hog hunt. You know, it's a, we're going to be down there for eight days. It's a day and a half. You know, um, so it's not like you know we'll be at plenty of time with our butts on the sand. You know, right. toes in the water. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about this bow hunters union thing. So I think the the first thing to do is to ask you, what is the bow hunters union? Sure. The bow hunters union is a nation nationwide nonprofit organization that, uh, not only fights for the rights to uh, expand the rights of bow hunters, but also protect what we already have that uh, it, we're kind of a two-pronged, oh, not kind of, we are a two-pronged. So that is part of our mission. And our other mission is to make sure that the future of bow hunting is strong and has um, backing by the support of youth archery. So um, basically, when we break it down, I like to say this, they won't let me put it in print for some reason, but I like to say that we're the NRA for archery. And, gotcha. you know, there's lots of other great organizations like the NRA, like Rocky Mountain, like National Wildlife Turkey. We, backcountry hunters and anglers, we love them all, but all of them do have some things that maybe we don't necessarily not agree with, but also some limiting factors. We love Rocky Mountain elk, but we love elk and whitetail and turkeys. We like to shoot fish. We like to be more well-rounded than just worried about elk. Um, same thing with national wildlife, Turkey or ducks unlimited. And, um, and then growing from that is we recognize the importance of getting a stick and a string in kids hands early. And through our support of youth archery programs, we've really, you know, we, we will really be able to make a difference in getting more kids involved in archery, whether even if it's shooting foam targets or hunting or not, we want them. Um, okay. we want them out there shooting. All right. So, um, right off the bat, how old is this organization? When did it start? Uh, are you, are you the founder? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. We are relatively new. Uh, we are less than actually six months old, but our growth has been so great. We're, we're so well established already that people think we've been around a lot longer than, than we have been. Um, I am the founder and kind of the, uh, the genesis or, or, or the reason I started it, the organization was my local archery club, the Lando Lakes Bowman here in Fenton, Michigan. Uh, we have a youth archery program and we were looking to expand the program. And, you know, I started thinking, oh, there's gotta be like grants out there. Cause like if you were starting a high school trap team, you'd probably go to like the NRA, right. Or like national trap shooting association, and I started like thinking, oh, who can we ask for money? <laughs> and, you know, I thought, well, looking into it, there was almost nothing. There's JOAD, which is a junior archery development program, but you have to follow their rules and buy the equipment that they, that they like. And, and then there's national archery in our schools program, but we're not a school, so we didn't qualify. So we really were in a hard spot. So I thought, man, if there was only some place that, specialized in you know funding grants for 
youth archery. So that was basically what lit the, the bug, what lit the fire in me. And I started looking into it. And then I thought, well, we could do a lot more than just youth archery. We could, we could support bow hunting as a whole. So I talked to a few guys that I, I know in the industry and just kind of got their thoughts on it. And they all said the same thing. And these are guys that are well entrenched, big names in the outdoors industry. They all said, that doesn't exist. I can't believe that doesn't exist. Why is there not an NRA for archery? So, yeah. boom, Bow Hunters Union. Now, I'm from Michigan. We're a blue-collar state. I'm in the Police Officers Association of Michigan. Dad was in the UAW. You know, we got uncles or teamsters. So, this is union country. So, I thought, what better way to run it than to run it kind of like the big unions. You know, we have our proud union members, our our union brothers and sisters, and um, I am the founder, but I'm also the chief steward. So CEO, founder, president, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, in unions, you have stewards. So, yeah. and then in every union, you have chapters, right? So you'll see, like, the local iron workers, 459, you'll see their stickers and whatnot. Well, we have our chapters, too. They're just geographically based throughout the country, and each chapter has a steward, so that's basically how we're set up right now. Okay. So why, you know, you talked a little bit about how it was, you know, why it was started, how it was started. But, you know, when people, you say you're the NRA of archery. When people think of the NRA, you know, guns are a hot topic out in the world today you know you got half the country wants to support them you know there's a there's a, a group of people that wants to get rid of them um why was it important to start up uh you know the bow hunters union when you know ha i guess has there been talk about taking rights away from the archer from a, from the bow hunters of the united states not on a grand scale. There's always, of course, going to be the threat of hunting as a whole being right. taken away, of, of course, or even, even hunting regulations change. You can look in the state of Maine and what it's done to their bear populations because they're not allowed to hunt with dogs or bait anymore. Now they've got a crap load of uh, bear complaints from citizens, you know, um, because their numbers aren't being kept in check. Uh, or you could look at a case which let's um let's just say we'll make up something that, that possibly could happen because I've seen it happen here in the past before I started an organization. You could take something like Frog Lick, Arkansas. Okay, so it's probably not a real town, but you know what? If there's a town in Arkansas named Frog Lick, I guess I wouldn't be super surprised. <laughs> but <laughs> let's say Frog Lake, Arkansas has uh, eight city council members, right? And four or five of them are, they got on and they're, they're anti-hunting, they're, they're tree huggers or whatnot, and they decide that they're not going to allow hunting. Not just bow hunting, but hunting in general in the township or, or in, gotcha. within the township limits, right? Well, you as a union member hear this, and this is going on, so then what we would ask you to do is to contact your union steward. The steward then will use the power of the entire chapter and we will 
fight and fight our best to stop this from happening. It's not the citizen's job necessarily to know who all the state reps and the county reps in the state house and the state Senate or even the state senators. But my stewards know all those people or know who they are and are willing to reach out. So what happens is Froglick, uh, Arkansas, ends up getting flooded with phone calls and emails and the voice of not only the South chapter, but we'll put it out to the entire union. So now we will make it known that the bow hunters union will fight this tooth and nail. And guess what? We'll be a pain in their butt. I don't care. I want people's rights to hunt and fish and especially bow hunt protected. And my organization is willing to do the work to do that. Now, I think right there, that protection alone is worth the price of a membership, but there's a lot more benefits to being a member than just being able to reach out and say, Hey, help me. Right. Can you, can you provide us with maybe a specific example of a time where a bow hunter's rights were in jeopardy and the bow hunters union came in and saved the day? Well, fortunately, and this may sound, this may sound odd, but fortunately we haven't had to do that yet because a, we are a newer organization and B we haven't had to face an attack like that yet. We are ready for it. We are, we are a proactive, not just a responsive um, uh, organization. However, where I can say where we've made uh, strides and differences is in some of the youth archery programs that we, uh, we support and just growing the um, overall you know, we're, we're growing the union right now. We are right. in a growing phase so that when those attacks do happen, we have more voices to combat them with. Gotcha. So, you know, right now it sounds to me like uh, there's a, a big push from your organization towards youth archery. Um, why is it important to, you know, I guess get kids involved in the youth archery and then how does that tie in to bow hunters? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's no secret. You can, you can look at any of the uh, epidemics facing our youth right now, whether it's obesity or social anxiety issues or, you know, j- just, we got to get these kids outside, man, get them away from the video games. Have you ever seen a kid shoot a bullseye and not smile? Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's how I was raised. It's how all my friends were raised, you know, and I look at my friends and especially the ones involved in the outdoors, you know, we weren't getting in trouble for drinking. We weren't, you know, my friends weren't the ones ODing, uh, sadly, because we had a passion for the outdoors and that passion is pretty much always instilled by some type of a father figure whether it be older brother, dad, uncle, grandfather. And let's just face a fact, there's a lot of families that don't have those father figures right now. So we want archery to be a an option. You know, we're not going to be Little League Baseball. We're not going to be soccer. But there's a lot of kids that can't participate in either one of those that can find a home shooting archery. 
you know, you, you can find a kid that maybe has those social issues around a big team, but you can get a stick and a string in their hand and some private coaching and they can really flourish and they can, you know, a lot of times they have the attention to detail to really, really be successful. And of course we're talking about starting them out on target archery, but the next logical step of course is bow hunting. So you go from target archery into 3d archery where you're shooting, you know, the lifelike, size foam targets that are made by great companies like Reinhardt and McKenzie and Delta. And, and it's just, it, it's just, you got to start somewhere. And right. I, I think me personally, it's maybe even be irresponsible to give a firearm to a kid and say, okay, you're a hunter now, you know, right. obviously there's hunter safety and stuff like that. But, but I really think um, the, the stick and the string is just a great introduction to the outdoors and the cool thing about it is um the thing i like is too is you know it doesn't matter if you're male or female archery score is an archery score (laughs) you know the equipment might the equipment might be different but we don't gotta separate them um we can have them together is the important thing is, is what i'm trying trying to say and i just know that my my personal passion for the outdoors grew because I shot archery at a camp, like a day camp when I was a kid. And, you know, that's what started it for me. Once my parents found out I had a knack for it, they hooked me up with the uncle that was into it. And boom, here I am today, the chief steward of the Bow Hunters Union. Okay. So then how does the Bow Hunters Union specifically support youth archery programs i mean are you uh, do you have leagues do you have tournaments uh do you have um are you are you putting money uh, or support financially to already existing youth programs yes yeah, so that is what we do basically when you are a union member we have a um on our website which by the way is bowhuntersunion.org uh, there's a members only section to the website. Union member can go on there. There's a donation request form. They fill it out. And basically, right now, we are helping with funding any existing youth archery programs or youth archery programs that are trying to start up. So you right. fill out the request. You tell us what you want. We uh, That request goes directly to the union steward in your chapter. That union steward then brings it to the uh, board of directors or the other uh, union leadership, I should say, and we make a decision. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a union member and you request a donation, you're going to get something from us. Now, if you request something crazy, we might not be able to do it, but we are not going to say no to any union members. And if someone signs up, becomes a union member just to put in a donation request, fine. That's the that's what we're here for. We want more members, and we want to support our members. You know because we know where that money is going. You know we're gonna have a there'll be some feeling out and a short little conversation. You know before we send you the cash, but we want to put bows in kids' hands, and we want to do that how you see fit. You know your club better. You know what you need. There's no sense in me sending you bows if you have a bunch already. There's got to be other ways we can help. And um, basically, that's the way it is. How I foresee it going in the future 
is perhaps we help lobby or have phone conversations with athletic directors at high schools because there's a high school junior trying to start a 3D archery team and he's just getting stonewalled. Well, what if a national organization calls? That school is going to talk to us or we're going to make a big think about it, you know? Right. So I, I foresee us going that route too. I guess the political route with the youth archery, but right now, mostly we are here to help them financially. Okay. All right. And currently how many union members do you have in, in uh, the bow hunters union? Well, like I said, we, um, we, we've been growing really good. We are, we're still under, you know, I'd like to say we're thousands and thousands and thousands, but you know, we're still under 500 members. And what's, um, you know, what's cool about that is for people that do sign up right now, uh, there's a sense of pride in getting in on the ground floor of something. Uh, our membership cards are numbered. And so when, when you sign up, your membership card will have your member number on it. And it's straight up a countdown number or count up number, I should say. And, you know, we, we've said, we say the name NRA a lot, right? So I don't know if NRA does, you know, sequential membership numbers. I, I'd have to look at mine, but, um, wouldn't it be cool if you could say I was one of the first 500 members of this organization, you know, 25 years down the road. I just think that that would be really cool. And, um, so like I said, we are, we are new and we are growing and, um, the, uh, the membership card is just one of the things that you get when you become a member. Of course, we're going to send you some decals so you can rock it on your truck or your car and, it's just like any other union that says I'm a proud union member of the bow hunters union, you know? And, uh, so you get some decals and then you get the ability to make the donation requests. And also you get the ability to, to have the union support you or any other, um, bow hunting related issues that are going on in your state or your chapter. And we've actually partnered with a bunch of different outfitters, and a bunch of different manufacturers and storefronts. So you're going to get uh, special pricing and deals. And I can tell you right now, if you take advantage of one of the deals that we have for union members only, you've paid for your union membership tenfold because <laughs> uh, it, it really does pay off with just a single purchase. And then um, when you sign up, you're going to get a copy. We have our own newsletter, uh, so our own magazine. So you're going to get a copy of the a welcome edition of the union news which is, you know, all the chapter stewards introducing themselves and this is why we got involved and this is what we believe in and here's how you contact us. And then every quarter you're going to get a, another copy of the Union News. And what's really cool about my stewards is um, because I'm a writer, almost all my friends are writers. So we've got a lot of actually a lot of good uh, writers in the Union News that are actually nationally published Um you know, I'm not trying to sit here and toot my own horn, but I'm an Amazon best-selling author. <laughs> yeah. You know, writing out outdoor thriller fiction. So, um, th- there's a lot you get for just your $25 membership, and that's what a membership costs, man. It's 25 bucks a year, and um, in if you go to the website bowhuntersunion.org, we actually break down exactly where your money's going, what percentage goes to operating costs, what percentage goes to youth archery what percentage goes to political outreach. You know, we are 100% open and honest. This is your union, not 
my union. I didn't start this for me. I started this for all of us. And gotcha. we have our we have our bylaws there, and our constitution is wide open. You can read that. And not only that, but our board meetings happen once a month, and you can log in as a union member, and you can listen to the board meeting on the conference call. If you can't make it live, we record them, and we make it available. So there's there's nothing about the union's inner workings that a member doesn't have 100% full access to. And we were kind of big about that because we realized that we were asking, we're asking you for your money and we're probably most likely going to give it to someone else. I, I know how that sounds, but I want you yeah. to know that we're doing it for all the right reasons. Right. Right. So, you know, right now you guys are in a growing, uh, a growing uh, phase. What has been maybe some hurdles that you guys have had to overcome other than, you know, um, getting people to join. Uh, has there been any pushback from anybody in the, in the, I guess, archery or bow hunting industries? Um, you know, when people, when you approach maybe companies or, to uh, support you, what are they saying uh, um, about uh, the bow hunters union? Um, and, uh, and how have you been able to overcome some of those hur- hurdles? Yeah, so I haven't heard anything negative. I, I hear here, Here's what I hear a lot of is, we can't believe this hasn't been done before. Or we can't believe this doesn't already exist. We also hear this is going to be huge. Now, as far as working with some of the companies, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it'd be pretty easy once, you know, we grow bigger and have bigger memberships to sell more, well, let's call it ad space, right? Like advertising space in the union news because ads are ads. However, we, that's not what we're looking for. When, when a company, when we approach a company or they approach us to say that they support the bow hunters union, they, we're, we require them to actually do that. And not just financially, not by buying advertising. We need something to give back to our members from them. So, you know, if, uh, if bow company X comes to us and says, you know, we'd like a full page ad in the union news my first response is going to be, that's great. I'm super excited. What's the discount you're going to give union members when they buy your boats? Right. You know, cause it, cause it, it's about supporting the union members. Yes. I can take their ad money and do great things with it, but it's not necessarily always going to be about what's the best business decision. We have to do what's right for our union members. So I think that might be, well, no, I'm sure it will be one of the, um, the big, the bigger hurdles. Now, of course, if the bow company X has a uh, dealer network or dealer distributor, perhaps it's, you know, 20% off the things they do sell on their website, like their hats and t-shirts and stickers and all that. And we're fine with that. I'm not telling a company what they have to do to support the union. I'm just telling them that they have to support the union. And eventually I see the BHU becoming, you know, just so synonymous with everything. Uh, think about like the tree stand manufacturers association, the TMA, right? You right. cannot in America make a tree stand and be a member of like ATA archery trade association. You can't sell that tree stand if you don't get it certified that it's safe by the tree stand manufacturers association. I want 
the bow hunters union eventually to be a no brainer for companies. I want them to say, okay, so let's take Remington on that side. Of course, Remington supports the NRA, right? I'd like to get the bow hunters union to that point. Of course, say Matthews, of course, PSE, of course, every un, every archery related business in the world. Of course, they proud supporters of the BHU because of what we do and who we are. So that is one of the bigger goals as far as growing it. So I think there will be some hurdles to us getting corporate and manufacturer supporters until the point when there's no hurdles, until the point where there's, it's a no-brainer. And we'll get there. It's just going to take some time. Right. So I see here you got this map. I'm on your website right now. You got this map. It's uh, broken down by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different uh, uh, chapters throughout the uh, United States based off geographical location. Do you do you feel that you know this is going to you know your union is going to be able able to evenly cover the entire United States um, with its message base you know. Um, I guess one message to cover everything, or is that going to have to be tweaked uh, through the different chapters and different locations just because of maybe cultural differences or uh, terrain features or, you, you know, the United States is vast and it's different from, you know, shore to shore. Does the Bowhunters Union, will, will you guys be able to cover that with like a uniform message? Right. I think so right now it shouldn't be an issue. What concerns me more is bow hunter numbers. So if we look at like the top four states of bow hunter numbers, we have Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. So and then Pennsylvania and Michigan are way higher than those other two. Iowa last year at three hundred thousand archery tags sold. Michigan was just over one point one million and Pennsylvania was above that. Um so with I worry about retaining or reaching that many people in certain um in certain chapters if eventually we hear from our union members and they're saying hey my uh i'm in florida my south my south steward lives in louisiana you know um is there anything i can more i can do to help or or, or if people are unhappy with um, their level of representation, we have no problem whatsoever going to a state-by-state system. We're just not there yet. It was, you know, I still have openings for a few chapters, stewards, and it's because I'm picky. It's not because I haven't had volunteers. <laughs> but, um, you know, getting eight stewards who are all on board, who share the message with me right now, we are still building towards that. I couldn't imagine trying to fill 50 of those seats at this right. point. Um, you know, uh, the ATA's numbers last year was 21 million people shot archery last year. So there's a lot of bow hunters out there. There's a lot of archers out there that, that we need to reach to. As far as cultural goes, I think the union has its own culture. And I think that's one of supporting bow hunting and, and youth archery. So I'm not worried about crossing over into other cultures before we absolutely build ours and take care of our people first. Right. Okay. So in 
you know, you're in a growth state right now. Hypothetically, let's get say you get to a point where you have you have good member, you know, you have a good number of uh, members or union members. You have a uh, a good income rolling in, not only through uh, you know dues, you know yearly dues, and uh, maybe donations or uh, even uh, uh, business partners through you know like uh, like like you said Matthews or other big companies wanting to donate. What do you see? You know, once you hit that state. What are you looking to accomplish? I mean, do you guys have long-term goals already established that you're, you know, you're trying to reach? Sure. I, on an interior thing, one of the things that we have uh, planned for is um, we're going to host. Now, you know what? I should really get on my stewards about helping me name this darn thing. But we're either going to call it the Jamboree or the Rendezvous. We'll call it a Rendezvous right now. Each right. chapter has a Rendezvous, which is basically a uh, – three-day weekend long, 3D archery fest. Uh, you know, we'll have all the youth bows there, uh, camping, food. We are picking up the dime for that as long as you're a union member. And ho- in hopes also that people will bring people who aren't members and they can sign up for a membership there then shoot the 3D course. Each chapter is going to have one of those. Um, and each, at each rendezvous, we will have a board meeting that's open to all the members that are there they can come and, you know, meet the different stewards and talk to us and, and then also voice any concerns or opinions they have. So that is, you know, I look forward to those rendezvous growing and growing and growing and becoming big events, almost like a big, you know, ASA style shoot, um, you know, where we're getting media coverage and, you know, the, everybody who's anyone in archery is attending these shoots. Now, will there be huge trophy prizes and stuff like that? Probably not because, again, we're not charging our members to come shoot this. This is a benefit of being a member, and you can shoot in any chapter. So, you know, if you live on one of those states where you're a borderline, you want to shoot, you know, the South and the Appalachian, go right ahead. You're a union member. So that is things that we want to grow towards. The other thing is growing towards is the more we have, the more we can do. It's pretty simple, just like that. So the more money we're bringing in and the more memberships we have, absolutely, the more outreach and the more stuff that we can do to help our causes. Right, right. And then what about, you know, what about the youth programs in five years, 10 years down the road? Well, I would love to see... 3D archery or even target archery as a recognizable high school sport. And, you know, in, I really think we've look at bass fishing, bass fishing. Now there's so many schools now that actually have bass fishing teams, even at the collegiate level. Now we have bass fishing and I would like to see archery go that route. Michigan State University has one hell of an archery club. And I want to say team because, yes, they do go and compete. But, of course, right now, it's not an NCAA sport. It's not even a high school sport. But it's in the Olympics. So, you know, if they're doing it in the Olympics, why can we not start doing this locally? And 
you know, my alma mater, Fenton High School in Fenton, Michigan, right now is the two-time state championship back-to-back in skeet, or trap, I should say, in trap shooting. Those are high school kids with guns. Come on, give me an archery team. You know, (laughs) if you've got a trap team, you can't tell me that your archery team wouldn't be just as popular. Right. Right down the road from me in Heartland, Michigan, we have a middle school and a high school club that have just won two national championships in a row. And last week at the IBO nationals set two world records for score world records. So it is growing, but it's not growing fast enough. And that's what our overall five-year plan is. We want to see kids wearing their varsity jackets at the Friday night football game and right under their football letter is one with a bullseye. Right. Right. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, in every organization, you know, quality deer management, um, you know, national deer Alliance, you know, some of, and, and almost every, every, uh, organize, outdoor organization there is, we talk about getting people more involved and because as far as hunting is concerned, you got to have hunters to be able to, uh, pass laws and, you know, legislate. Now, in your opinion, why do you feel that hunting is maybe taking a decline or especially bow hunting? Yeah, I think it's going to be, in my personal opinion, unfortunately, it's the infighting. It's the guy with the longbow and the guy with the crossbow who don't think they're doing the same thing. Right. You know, it's, it's apathy towards what you don't do. For example, here in Michigan, we've had the uh, dove hunting bill years ago, right? We're like the only Midwest state where you can't hunt doves pretty much. <laughs> and there's a ton of them, right? So the, the anti hunters of course didn't, didn't like the, the hunting bill and the dove hunt bill, which was the decision on whether to establish a hunting season for them. Right. And a bunch of guys with sticks and strings and a bunch of fishermen thought, I don't want to kill doves. I don't care. So they either didn't vote against it, but didn't vote for it. So either way, it's a no vote. Right. Right. If they just didn't vote or they voted against it, it doesn't matter. It's a no vote as far as that goes. So I think it's, and then we can just look at voting numbers. A lot of people just don't go to the polls to begin with, but that's a, that's a whole other issue. But it's not standing together, not realizing, you know, okay, let's, so you're a traditional archer, okay? And maybe crossbow is not for you, but you need to realize that the crossbow season is archery season. So it is now your season. So you and the crossbow hunter have the same concerns. How you go about doing it, fine. That's different. But when it really boils down to it, I'm not a huge for, say, sturgeon fishing, right? I don't fish for sturgeon. They're cool. You only get to keep one a year. They're really neat to see. They're prehistoric dinosaurs. Maybe you shouldn't keep them. I don't know the the, uh, ecology behind it. But you know what? If an, it's an outdoors 
related topic, and I'm all about for granting and supporting outdoor-related issues based on perhaps what some of the organizations who know more about it than me, you know, what they say. So, I mean, we can even look at antler point restrictions just got shot down again by our National Resource Commission, even though the majority of hunters in Michigan support it and want it statewide, you know, but no, Michigan's going to be, it's a, it's Brown, it's downstate. And it's going to continue to be that because we as voters don't make the rules anymore. That's, that's more politics, but I think it's infighting and, and it's just, you have to realize that, you know, there's no infighting with PETA. There's no infighting with the anti hunting establishment. And what's even worse than that, or more important, there's no, you know, there, there's a lot of people who are anti, and there's a lot of people who are pro hunting. But the people that just make the decisions, and the people that are are the people that are undecided, or the people that are in the middle, and those are the people that we want to reach out to. You know, let's right. go ahead and look at this national election we just had. Why is President Trump the president? Because he paid attention to the people in the middle. Right. The other candidate paid no attention to the people in the middle. The people of Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, those people were ignored, and she lost. I'm not willing to lose. Okay. So a guy hears this podcast, and he he's he's – on the fence, you know, about whether he wants to join. And, you know, I know it's only 25 bucks a year, but you know, some people think 25 bucks is a lot of money. And just because something is, uh, cheap doesn't make it affordable. If that makes sense to that guy who is sitting on the fence, what would you have to say to them to get them to commit to the bow hunters union? I'm glad you asked that question because at my own archery club, I've actually had this discussion. I looked at the fella and I said, look at your hip. And he looked down at his hip. I said, pull one of those arrows out. He pulled one of those Easton arrows out. I said, let's put a broadhead on it. We imagined a broadhead on it. I said, that's $25 right there. The broadhead's costing you 11. That arrow is a $15 arrow there's your membership. That one arrow, you're giving up that one arrow and you're putting a bow and arrows in a kid's hand. Right. If that doesn't do it for you, maybe you're not the kind of member we need. Yeah. Right. We're so shooting thousand any... dollar bows, man. You know? Right. <laughs> right. No, I get it. So, so the other question would be, man, you know, ever since I started this podcast, there are so many places a guy can give his money, right? Um, you know, he can give it to the National Deer Alliance or uh, Quality Deer Management, Whitetails Unlimited, Pheasants Forever. You know, I could go on forever and talk to you about all the places. Um, out of all of those, you know, make a stand, make a make a cause for uh, bow, the bow hunters union why should they decide hey maybe uh bow hunters union is where i want to put my money as opposed to maybe some of those other organizations absolutely now some of those organizations they're just not as inclusive as we are 
and maybe that's your thing. Uh, Pheasants Forever doesn't care a whole lot about archery, (laughs) you know? Um, So is there going to be crossover between us and those organizations? Of course. Let's look at Pope and Young. That'd be a good example. Pope and Young, obviously an archery organization, right? But Pope and Young doesn't support the use of crossbows. So if you're a crossbow hunter and you're pumped up and talking about the score of the buck you got on the trail camera, let's just remind you that the uh, organization that came up with that scoring system doesn't support the way you hunt. Right. We, we do, you know, our view is if the projectile is propelled by a string, we call it bow hunt, crossbow, longbow, recurve bow, compound bow, um, sling bow, if it's propelled by a string, you're bow hunting. We're inclusive. Again, we talked about Rocky Mountain Elk earlier, but you live in, you like Rocky Mountain Elk and all they do for Western hunting and all they do for the elk species. And they do a lot through the elk species by habitat improvement, right? Right. But you live in Frog Lake, Arkansas. You're never going to go out West, no matter how much you like what Rocky Mountain does. And you don't see Rocky Mountain Elk doing a lot in Arkansas. And you only kill turkeys. Right. You know? So National Wildlife Turkey Federation and us, the Bow Hunters Union, are going to be crossover organizations for you. If you like the bow hunter, you know, and you like to see the youth archery supported, you're going to come our way. I'm not telling you not to support national wildlife turkey or backcountry hunters and anglers i'm telling you to get rid of another arrow in your quiver and do both right okay yeah it makes a lot of sense man um bill thank you for taking time uh come on the podcast and uh talk about the bow hunters union and and uh giving giving us an insight to um you know what you're trying to do you know for those guys who want to find out more information, where should we send them? Absolutely. Of course, if you're on Facebook, you can look up the Bow Hunters Union right there on Facebook. Uh, we do giveaways, uh, lots of just uh, polls and questions and stuff. But for memberships, just head over to bowhuntersunion.org. You can sign up right there for your un- your yearly membership. If you believe 100% in us, go ahead. You're going to save money. I guarantee it. If you sign up for the life membership, uh, it's going to save you money in the long run because there's no way you're not going to be a member for life of the Bow Hunters Union once you're in. And then um, I just want to say thank you, man. I know what it's like to interview me. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a whole lot of preaching and a little bit of teaching. All right. And right. I just want to say thanks to you and the Nine Finger Chronicles for uh, for getting me on. It's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, this is just the start of a great thing. And uh, I, I really think that's important to know. This is going to be huge. And we want people along on the ride with us. Another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Bill of the Bow Hunters Union. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks to each and every one of you who are listening and downloading and uh, spreading the word about the Nine Finger Chronicles. I really appreciate it. Thank you for doing so. Huge shout out to the partners of the podcast, Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Exodus Trail Cameras, Ozonics, Gearhead Archery, Wasp Archery, Exodus Trail Cameras, Deer Lab. I think I've started to repeat myself. Be sure to go support this 
uh, partners that support this podcast. Uh, that just keeps me in the position that I'm at. And I really appreciate what you guys have done so far. Other than that, check me out on Twitter. Check me out on Instagram. Check me out on Facebook. A lot going on on sh- social media. Um, if you're listening to this before 9 Central, I will be on Coffee and Deer as a guest uh, on the National Deer Alliance Facebook page on at 9 Central. Also, 6.30 p.m. Central, I will be hosting another episode of Happy Hour on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page, uh, doing Facebook Live. So uh, come join. There's going to be an interesting topic that we're going to be discussing. Other than that, go sign up. Go get educated about the National Deer Alliance. Uh, Spread the word and uh, become educated. And uh, that way you're more informed and uh, you can make better decisions on who you vote for. Maybe, I don't know. It's just good to be a part of something. And uh, I think uh, the National Deer Alliance really has the uh, the deer hunter in mind and the, the breed. Um, so be sure to follow those guys. Go to iTunes, leave a review. And last but not least, if you guys are going to be in a tree stand, please, for the love of freaking God, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.